Okay, with the team of Rugby Town, uh, the, the the web series about rugby in the United States, which is kind of a really interesting kind of perspective. I am with Patrick Guthrie, who is the director and creator of the series and the mayor of of Rugby Town, Mike Dunafon. Hopefully, I said your name correctly. Uh, you're very close, close enough. And and he is, I guess, you're the commissioner of the league, or you you want to call yourself the mayor? You're not no. the commissioner. No, I'm not the commissioner of the league. I'm the mayor of Rugby Town. You're the mayor of Rugby Town. So Rugby Town is an actual city in Colorado? It is a trademark for Glendale, Colorado. It's a home rule city. Okay. The home rule idea is very, very powerful. It falls under the constitution of the state versus the laws of the state. So okay. the same power as Denver or that sort of thing. Okay, so I'll give you guys, a. I love this film. I, I find it very fascinating. I'll give you guys a backstory, a personal backstory. I played football and uh, high school football and uh, beside on our field, which we had the number one field, but the field next to us was the rugby team. We had a team, we had a rugby team on our high school team. And, and basically they seemed to be doing a lot more physical activity than us football players. We were, we were into the, into the strategy of the game and our pl- figuring out our plays. They seemed to be running around, running into each other all the time. So I had some friends who played on the rugby team too. So I always wanted to play rugby, but I was like, but I was playing football. So I couldn't do both at the same time. But if there was, if I was able to do, if the, if the, leagues were separated like different kind of seasons i would have done rugby so i always found i found it fascinating that this is what your film is about give people a backstory is that these a lot of the a lot of your a lot of your people in the, in the team are for are people who wanted to play in the nfl former college athletes who turned to rugby and uh and basically now you guys created this league and you're you're going against the world i guess right is that a, a certain backdrop of what you guys are attempting to do that's a that's a good synopsis of it yeah. That's a very good synopsis of it. And you were quite right in wanting to play rugby instead of football. <laughs> I, I uh, actually people think play. that people think that the football is confusing, right? Like if they don't know the game, then rugby for me, it was like, what's going on? What are the rules here? And it was just like, it took me a while to figure it out. Well, Matthew, you'd be very surprised to find out that rugby is nothing but a, a game of keep away. Yeah. And it is a possession game. So it's if you've got the ball, you're in possession of the bean, and your job is to move it forward. Now, I had the advantage of being part of several sports as a kid. I grew up in a rodeo cowboy family. In fact, very high-level rodeo cowboys. My uncle's in the, the rodeo Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame as a steer wrestler. But I always wanted to play football. So I started playing football as a kid in junior high and matriculated up and eventually wanted to play professional football. Well, I managed to do that, and I played two years in the NFL. Now, having done that, I got a view of what it was like to matriculate up through all the levels of football. Yeah. Got got hurt playing football. And then did something really crazy, being Irish. You know, God loves Irishmen and uh, drunks. I think that may be the same thing. Now, you may have to cut that out of the video as well, because that may not be politically correct. I traded my <laughs> house. This is a joke, for- too, before we press record in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I traded my house for a sailboat coming from Colorado. Yeah. 
and ended up in the British Virgin Islands. And one day this character walks down the dock named Michael Royal, nicknamed Muffy, knocks on the hull of the boat. Now this is 1978. He says, mate, you look bloody fit. Fancy a game of footy. I said, now what in the world would footy be? He said, rugger. I said, rugby, that's football without pads. Why would you do such a thing? This is exactly what you're talking about when you saw the two fields side by side. Yeah. And everybody thought that rugby was much more devastating physically than football. And then it was just this mess of people running helter skelter with no strategy, no plays, nothing going on. And I said, why in the world would you be playing rugby? And he said, well, the warship is in town. So I look across Road Harbor and there is the HMS Cardiff. He says, we're playing the Royal Marines tomorrow. Would you like to play? I said, you're playing the Royal Marines tomorrow. No, I don't want to play. <laughs> yeah. I don't want anything to do with that. Eventually, he says, look, come along, do a sing song, have a sing song and uh, drink a few pints with the boys on the warship. I said, you're going to a warship that's headed to the Falklands, by the way, and you're going to have a sing song and you're going to drink a few pints with the boys and the boys are the Royal Marines. Yeah. He says, yeah. I said, well, I wouldn't want to miss this, would I? He said, have you got, have you got a blazer? This is God's truth. I said, now you're telling me, Mr. Muffy Royal, that you play rugby in a blazer. He said, no, no, mate, you got to wear your number ones. I said, well, I, I don't have a blazer on the boat. He said, I'll, I'll arrange it. So off we go to the boat to drink some pints and sing some songs with the Royal Marines. And I indeed did play the next day. And it was one of the most physically demanding, harrowing experiences of my life. What year was that? 1978. So this is before the Falkland. You said you're going to Falkland. Before the war, the Falkland Wars. Yeah, they were headed. The, the Cardiff, the broadsword, they're, they're all headed down. I mean, yeah. and, and so I, I said to... I looked across and the and the the pitch was about a mile from the harbor. Ooh, the pitch. You're calling it the pitch. Yeah, the rugby. I'm sorry, yeah. sorry, the field, the pitch. No, no, no. I'm kidding around because it's like anybody who like watches like Ted Lasso or whatever, they they know what the pitch is now. Yeah, it was the pitch. It was the pitch. Yeah. And I asked Muffy, I said, Muff, because I couldn't see them. They're a mile away. They're coming towards us. I said, they're all wearing different colored jerseys. He said, What? <laughs> their jerseys are all different colors he says mate those are tattoos <laughs> oh <laughs> i said well here we go my first game of rugby gonna so be this is after fun. this is after you played in the nfl right like you right. played in what 70 70 you said 77 76 76 77 yeah, yeah, right um red miller was a coach one year john ralston so well. that that's you played in the super bowl then yeah, in fact, I would have a ring now, but back then they didn't give rings. That was Super Bowl twelve. Yeah, um, the Dallas got, Ted Cowboys. You guys lost to the Cowboys, right? That's exactly right. 
and you would uh, you'd get a ring. But what they give you back then is they'd take your shoes and throw you out of the locker room and lock the door. It was a, it was a different world. It was uh, my base salary. My first year was sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. My second year was eighteen five. So inflation, that's what around hundred thousand dollars, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guys today get paid more for one punt than we did for a season. Yeah, I still don't think they get paid enough. I think the owners are getting a little bit more of that slice of the pie. If the well, I'm always, I'm always with you there, Matthew. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. That's amazing that you like you're like one of like ten thousand people that played in the Super Bowl. So that's like uh, that's well, I got hurt. I got hurt against the Lions or Chicago, one of the two. Okay. Uh, So yeah, that's and the guys, the guys we played with back then, a lot of them you had to play. I believe it was six years to get a pension. Most of the guys are dead. Yeah, nobody nobody plays six years now in the NFL. No, right? they're dead. They're dead. The old guys, the big the big guys, heart disease. Yeah. And the, the it, it's a brutal, brutal game. It's a game of inches. It's a game that destroys your body. Rugby doesn't do that. Yeah. So you're you're kind of like down on football in a sense. No, 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 I'm not down on football. Yeah. But you're um, more higher on rugby than I guess. Well, let me let me that's a really interesting question. I'm never down on anything that requires somebody to test themselves against other human beings, but they should do this with in collaboration with one another, not, not with animosity. And the only way for you to find out who you really are is to test yourself, you know, the, the three, the man against man, man against himself and man against man. Those are the only real conflicts we have. Yeah. When, when, you know, nature gets added into it, but that's a, you could roll the other three into it. Football is, is the design of the game. And, and I'm going to say something to you here that's going to, that's going to ring a bell. Rugby being a game of possession means that when I am tackled, I, I don't need to be stopped in inches. I need to release the ball. Mm-hmm. And if I release the ball, the other team takes the ball. So it's not necessary to destroy me physically. There are no first downs. There I are understand. No so yeah. if you're going to get smacked on a goal line, yeah. you can have 30, 40 Gs of impact. Yeah. And it, it has a devastating effect. So. so- the fit, I just want to say, like, basically, you, you kind of nailed it at the beginning where it's like it's more of a game of keep away. So you're kind of like moving away from somebody, whereas football is designed to move forward. And to get a first down is a great analogy where you have to get 10 yards. You have to push forward against the other team. And then so, therefore, physicality and violence occurs, whereas rugby is the opposite where you're kind of running away. So there's less violence, I guess. Right. It's the difference between a car wreck and sailing. Yeah. Okay. Sailing, perfect. Yeah. In sailing, you've got to tack. You've got to find a find a way to get where you want to go. Yeah. And it is never straight ahead in sailing, unless you've yeah. got a motor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but but that said, the, the play like that said, football is a different game now. It's more. It's more. Um, it's more like it's more of a throwing game. It's more of a spread offense game. It's more of a game designed for. The, the superior athlete to succeed back in the seventies and even the eighties, even the nineties, 
it was more of like a run, like three yards of dust and in everybody violent. So the game is changing a lot where it's becoming more of like a, it's almost like basketball in a sense where the best athletes are, are succeeding, not the most violent athletes, I guess. Well, right? so I would that's agree. my, that's my reaction to the, to the football. Right. So I, I would agree with you, except the number of years that are being played by football players are less than the number of years that were being played by football players. 100%. 80s yeah. and 90s. So the game has become actually more violent. Yeah. And and you've and, and I'm not bagging on the game. I love the game. Yeah. But the game of rugby, what people miss in the game of rugby is the true strategy. And here's something people don't realize. In football, you have never seen something that you don't that you don't know you haven't seen. In football, you have never seen all 22. So you've never seen a sky shot of all 22 players and the patterns of play that are going on. The only thing you see in football is smash mouth, long passes, great runs, some blocks. The reason you don't see all 22 is the, is the NFL many, many years ago outlawed it as a recruiting or game film. It was a scouting mechanism. In in rugby, you will see all 30 because you want to see the patterns of play. And Patrick will tell you one of the interesting things about shooting these two games is that the Americans, especially when we're talking about the film that 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 we've just done and, and we're discussing, Americans have been conditioned into seeing a certain type of play shot as opposed to the Europeans. Yeah. Patrick's become an expert and has written Rugby for Dummies, I think it's version four now, talking about the patterns of play. Yeah. What actually occurs in the chess game of rugby, because the chess players in rugby are the players. The chess players in football are the coaches. Oh, the coaches, yeah. That's, a, yeah. And another, I want to get to Patrick in a second. So another summarizing is that football is very much a coach's game. It's 100% a coach's game. It's like Belichick, you know, Sean McVay, you know, Shanahan, whatever geniuses, right? Extremely intelligent men who are designing things and they're kind of getting their players as pawns and kind of like doing what they're doing. And it's like you're saying is rugby. It's very much a, it's a, a player's game. Like, it's it's like the the it's keeps it's a it's a continuous game so the coaches can't do much once the game starts I guess right well so, Matthew here's an interesting analogy um, football coaches teach teach people how to do things so the football coach can take the test yeah rugby coaches teach people how to do things so the players can take the test gotcha. I, I want to get to Patrick right now uh, while we have time. So Patrick, so you you said you wrote those books. So you this is a this is a series. How many episodes are shot right now? Two episodes. Uh, no, we've um, <clears throat> we've completed uh, two full seasons of the two full. Oh, two full I apologize. Two full seasons. Yeah. So we have a season one, yep. uh, which was submitted for consideration, uh, and I believe episode one and episode three were initially, uh, you know, submitted on the film freeway, uh, you know, pathway. Okay. Um, but we've we've uh, you know shot and post-produced two full seasons. So season one has ten half-hour episodes. Season two also has ten half-hour episodes. Uh, season three is in post-production now, and season four wow. will shoot from February sixth until May twenty-eighth of twenty twenty-three. 
and uh, we hope to have that ready uh, by 2024. So that's on. You can go to rugbyfactory.tv and you can watch uh, watch some of that. Okay. So what? Okay. So then what? What was like? It's a long story, I know, but like what motivated you to uh, to start this series? Like how? Basically, how did it start? How did it? How did the wheels come in motion well, for I, you to start I this have, series? I have to give credit first to Rugby Town uh, yeah. for you know um, collaborating with me over the last many many years on the broadcast. Um, conundrum. In other words, to try to get to the best practices and to try to create the best broadcast experience for rugby that could be developed um, in the Americas. And I think that in Rugby Town, um, they've done a tremendous job. And I've been one uh, small part of what they've developed um, that has really been best in class in, in the Americas as it relates to broadcast production. They do a fantastic job in Glendale. And we've been doing a great job for a while now. And that's great. It's very satisfying on a number of levels. But the reality is no amount of acumen as it relates to broadcast production or the quality of your production of a live sporting event um, will change the fundamental challenge, which relates to live sports distribution. That is the people who are watching are already fans. Yeah. So after being involved in, as a broadcaster since 1997 and, and doing literally, you know, um, a thousand matches right of, of televised rugby content and seeing the market grow fivefold over that period of time in terms of the rugby audience grow which is nice we've never really seen rugby break in other words the rugby world cup um gets maybe you know six hundred thousand to a million viewers on a big game right so mm -hmm. rugby has not been hitting the marks to break in any way into a general entertainment audience it doesn't culturally matter in america that's what we discovered yeah. So what we set out to do with Rugby Town was to turn it upside down and to say, instead of creating more rugby fans by more rugby broadcasts, which we're still going to do and which we, 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 we're not giving up on, we're going to add a new idea. We're going to we say we believe and we know because we are around our players that our players stories and the journey they're taking, having lost their dream of being a star in the NFL and having a new dream now formed of becoming a professional athlete in a new sport, which is very difficult, and becoming a world champion ultimately for the United States if they really you know, vet out over time, is a tremendous challenge in itself. So the story, the background is wonderful. The canvas is there. But what is so outstanding are these players. And I had no idea going into this. I'm not a reality producer. I'm not a, I'm not a long form producer. I'm not a, really a, a director of theatrical films, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a live sports director that the, the mayor and the, the folks in, in rugby town said, wait a minute, are we telling the right stories? Are we telling the right kind of stories? And what can we do to unlock a general entertainment audience? And that's what rugby town is about. It's about the players. It's not so much about X's and O's in rugby, although it is. It's not about the city of Glendale and the amazing undertaking of Rugby Town, although it is. It's not about the American Raptors, this great brand in Rugby Town that are taking on all the teams, the professional teams yeah. in the Americas, in Super Rugby Americas. It's certainly about that, but that's not it. What it's really about are the players in Rugby Town, the players who play for the American Raptors, like Dakota Dixon who is a former NFL player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who's now taken to rugby and his has, uh, you know, a, a blue sky over his head. He's a great so actor. You're, you're, you're trying to sell the game through the players, like through the, the, the people emotionally involved with the, in the players. Correct. And, and we found game. that the, the players' stories create more interest yeah. 
and there's more stickiness in the player's journey than the actual game they're playing. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that's like, that's sort of what, like, it's sort of like, that's what they do with the Olympics, I guess. Right. I don't know the sport at all. NBC showing whatever, like, like luge or whatever, or bobsled. Nobody knows in America what these sports are. So let's do a little five minute segment on this, this player in uh, from Michigan, this guy from Michigan who like, who does the luge and we'll fall in love with him because we like his character and we'll watch the sport. It's sort of the same analogy, I guess, right? That's exactly what we're doing. And the truth is the players led us to that. Gotcha. We didn't know what they would give us until we started doing this as an idea. We started in November of 2020, if I recall, sir, with the very first EXO week-long camp. And my approach as a, a filmmaker, I guess, or, you know, producer of things, was to do a Veritas documentary, just a film, everything, and then just kind of figure out what we had. Right? Yeah. And, and that was very helpful to us. And if you look at our pilot, our pilot reflected that. They really didn't have, I would say, a, a, a storytelling soul. Like a structure. And then we got some wonderful feedback on the pilot saying, guys, it's not good enough. Yeah. You haven't really hit the mark. Your storytelling's not great yet. Yeah. In fact, it, he needs to improve a lot. And that was hard. That was hard feedback to take for some people that we really respected. You know, I, I, I remember sharing it with you, sir. It was, you know, from from uh, some broadcasters in the UK that were serious people. And the CEO of a serious one said, look, it, it's got to be better. And so we went back to the drawing board and we came back with our first 10 episodes of season one, um, which were very different than the mm-hmm. pilot which were entirely driven by the player story. But as you said, you're not a natural, like you're not, this is, you didn't get into filmmaking. You're, uh, you're, you direct, like you direct uh, sporting events, right? Live so, events. Yeah. I'm yeah, a live so, multi-camera live director yeah. that went into the storytelling format um, because we found it to be, you know, potentially very helpful. And what we're finding is that the brand of rugby town now is known more on the streets in Brisbane and Auckland and Johannesburg and London than it is in the United States because our distribution of the show is, is, um, has been very, very good for season one and season two in most of the rugby playing uh, countries around the world. But you have the rugby channel, so people can, like, how does, what is your plate structure? You know, people can subscribe to the channel and, like, watch the events? Like, what is the... Yeah, a rugby factory is a social media channel that we use to promote the American Raptors and 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 content. Well, no, I'm saying where are people where can people watch the league? Like, where are they able to watch this, the the event? Right, Super Rugby America's games are exclusively on ESPN, both in South America, um, and we're waiting. Um, soon there'll be an announcement on distribution uh, in North America, and we're very excited about that. Um, so I can't share with you that detail yet. Gotcha. Um, but uh, we're very excited about our distribution uh, within the uh, Disney group uh, in the U.S. when when that can be when that can be announced. So, but what I'm learning here is that you're like you're obviously a very successful like you know how to you know how to produce live events you know how to produce produce uh, sporting events. So you kind of learned how to be a storyteller, I guess, with the this uh, this series. Not that you weren't with the live events, it's just, but it's a different thing. You can go you go to the editing room. That's when you create your story. That's when you write your story. As you described, cinema verite, you're just shooting, 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 and then kind of figuring out what the story is in editing. So that's different from what you've ever done. So like you, you, you're now becoming, uh, and you're like saying like, okay, two or three characters, let's get emotionally attached to these characters, let the audience fall in love with them, and then they'll want to watch him play rugby. I guess right. That's the agenda. That's the idea, and um, you know, every, every our storytelling technique is is got you know a, a certain amount of structure to it, and 
I don't want to say formularity or a formula, but you know, we're telling three or four stories in each episode, right? We're trying to layer it and we're yeah. trying to give the audience perspective, uh, not just from one player, but the storylines of several players, as well as the storyline of rugby town. So, Matt, yeah. Matt. So like my, my, I'll give you, but another, what you want, what the audience wants to know is that the analogy is that my wife knows I love watching football, but she, she sees like people running into each other. She has no idea what's going on. Right. So so basically, therefore, she can't get emotionally attached to anybody because she has no idea what's happening. So it's the same thing with rugby. We're like, you have to know what's happening to to basically to to enjoy the sport, right? Like you got to understand the rules, I guess, right? Well, this show is constructed so that there's three acts in each episode yeah. of Rugby Town. It's a half hour show. Yeah. Our first act is talking about uh, some reflective idea about what happened the previous weekend through player individual player stories. Our second act is usually focused on a player and his family or a two or three players and maybe their families or some related off the field kind of idea or vignette. And the third act of each episode, these are only half hours, right? The third act is the conclusion of that week's play like Hard Knocks, which is the game, right? And the game is told by the players with their voices in the context of the actual live game. So I have we have the players mic'd with the same mics they use for the NFL. So you hear the players talk in the NFL coverage on the sideline all the time. They yeah. mic up certain players. Well, we have four players mic'd for each game with these PDR mics. And so we go through later, we can pull that audio mm-hmm. and we have that audio be the A-roll, the editorial without a narrator that drives the audience through the player's actual experience in the live, but in a, in a, a much more packaged fashion after the fact or we can be very purposeful on what story we tell, you know, based on the best stories we have, instead of, you know, being like a journalistic reporting of a live event. So for me, the elephant in the, in the, in the selling for rugby is obvious. And I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys have thought of this, but gambling, (laughs) right? Like if you can gamble on the games, then people are going to watch the games, right? No. Well, there's, there's substantial gambling on rugby overseas. It's yeah. very well established. No, I'm talking about the United States. Like people are, that, that's what, why, why do you think half the people are watching the NFL? Not because they love the game, because they're gambling on it, right? I know that maybe it's a cynical kind of point of view, but I'm right. like, I, I just, that's yeah. how I see it. It's just like, yeah, why do you think that the value of these sporting, sporting teams have, have tripled in the last like 10 years is because now everybody can gamble like legally, right? So if you can find gambling in rugby, people will watch the game, especially in the off season between between the next football season. I, guess. I, I think that that's a natural progression. We're not we're never going to stop human beings from doing what human beings do. Yeah, I mean the the, the, the world's oldest profession is a great example of that. Yeah, what we are talking about here is we're, we're not saying don't do that because it would be ridiculous to to promote don't do that because it would be a lie that isn't what we're promoting no i understand i understand no, I just no, but like, what what i want to tell you some something that we are promoting that people are very su- surprised about and it, it was a it was a moment in my life that was cathartic to me when when i became an nfl football player and signed that contract I viewed this as a, to wax philosophical, 
the Torobolium. I'm now there. I've made it somewhere. Yeah. But it didn't seem that way to me for some reason. Something was wrong. The, the coaches were saying pretty much the same things they were saying in the in the college portion of my life. Yeah. They were pretty much doing the same thing. But there wasn't a tremendous amount of caring about what went on at the end of that experience. Now, at the end of the experience for the NFL athlete, who's, depending on your position, is 23 years old or 24, you're an old man at 26. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the prime of life for a young athlete in rugby. Now, if you made it to a D1 school and you became an All-American and, and the NFL covers up for your behavior, essentially, you drag your girlfriend home by her hair, uh, it, it's a dreadful concept that we're, and you didn't get a college degree because you couldn't attend that many practices and go to that many classes. Yeah, It's a dreadful example of throwing young men away in the prime of life. And I watched but now they're getting paid right now. The athletes, college athletes are getting paid. So, well, yeah, but there's yeah. the payment payments. Wonderful. But without purpose, payment is, is meaningless. Yeah. And, and a lot of guys find that out. They shoot themselves because of it. If you're not part of a purpose in life, and I'm going to give you a, a great example because a, a, a fellow I played rugby with in, in Colorado on an old, old boys team was giving me the stick about paying rugby players uh, because he's old school. You shouldn't pay it. You know, you shouldn't pay it. Yeah. So I asked him, I said, how, how old do you think our number six was? Number six is a flanker. Yeah. And his first name is Ricky. I said, now, how old do you think Ricky was when he got out of jail? And of course, my friend David says to me, well, that's a racist thing to say. I said, it has nothing to do with Ricky's skin color. I ask you a question. How old was Ricky when he got out of jail? He said, I'm not going to answer that question. That's, I said, just answer the question. How old was Ricky when he got out of jail? He said, all right, I don't have a clue. See, he was three days old. He'd have been two days old, but his grandmother couldn't finish the paperwork to get him out by his third day. A very large number of our world-class NFL athletes who have been hurt, cut, don't have a college degree, are mm -hmm. in their early 20s, yeah. have no place to go. They can go back to Philadelphia and get shot. Yeah, I understand. Or they can... So I said, this number six could start for any team, rugby team in the world. And he's been playing rugby now for two years. Yeah. And he was three days old when he got out of jail. That's really what the story is. This is what we're doing. And we're, remember, I mentioned the number ones that I had to put a blazer on to go aboard the ship. Well, we're teaching an ethos. We're not teaching you to... To, to, to drag your girlfriend off the elevator by her hair. No, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Well, I, guys, I like I, I, we're running out of time here. I really appreciate your time. I think that was a great way to end it. 
And uh, because I, I, like, I understand what you're saying. I didn't mean to be cynical. No, I no, loved no. your guys' film. I think it's amazing. And uh, I was just looking for angles to sell, sell what your guys are trying to sell. And I think what you guys are doing is spectacular. We'll, we'll promote as much as we can. And, uh, and like, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like, you're not trying to screw like you're, you're not every, it's almost like a community. It's not like a, it's not like a corporation. It's not like, like the NFL where they kind of like, don't really care because they knew new, the new players are coming up next year. They don't really give, give a rat's ass about, about player mm -hmm. A. And as you're saying, next. that's your analogy, right? So that, that that's why it's called rugby town. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, 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 Schlemiel,